BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Summer is heating up, the ballpark is packed, and there really is nothing like a home team advantage. That's why Team Toyota makes an obvious choice for your next vehicle purchase or service. With their MVP pricing guarantee, teammate rewards program, and streamlined customer experience, their award-winning sales and service departments are there for all of your vehicle needs. A home team advantage is nothing without family and community. Their employees are part of the family, part of your town, and we're all part of the team. Visit teamtoyota.net and choose one of their three locations in Langhorne, Glen Mills, or Princeton. Hey folks, welcome to the Phillies Talk Podcast presented by Team Toyota. I'm Corey Sabin, he's Ricky Batalico, and we come to you on a Wednesday afternoon after the Phillies had another weak offensive game. Ricky, this team just hasn't been hitting. Just two runs scored since Saturday, two runs in those three games, all of them losses. Uh, I think we'll agree that they, the, the opposing pitching ratcheted up a level, uh, but it's still concerning to see the top of the Phillies order scuffling to this degree. The top four hitters last night. Kyle Schwarber, Nick Castellanos, Bryce Harper, Alec Bohm, a combined 0 for 16 with nine strikeouts. You know, we've seen some peaks and valleys this year from the Phillies offense. Do you see guys just trying to do too much right now? What do you think is the, the main factor of these recent <clears throat> offensive struggles? You know, watching last night's game, the one thing that concerned me the most is the lack of hitting the ball on the barrel. I mean, in all honesty, if you watch the game, they didn't hit a lot of balls hard. They didn't hit a ball 100 miles an hour. I bet you that may have been the first game all year that that didn't happen, that one guy doesn't come up uh, and hit a ball that hard. I mean, to me, you look up and down the lineup. These are the guys that are supposed to be contributing. Kyle Schwarber supposed to be contributing. Think about Schwarber's weekend. Uh, what, 0 for 2 with runners he, with bases loaded on Sunday afternoon. He was 0 for 3 with runners in scoring position on Saturday afternoon, so he gets part of the blame. Um, you, you know, the whole runners in scoring position thing is just awkward to me because it's no different than than any other at-bat, except for, with the exception you have a runner on. I mean, all you have to do is pick a pitch, pick an area, uh, do something in, in that general vicinity where you want the baseball, and if it's not there, you take. I think the Phillies are back to that situation where they're swinging a lot of pitchers' pitches again. Um, I understand Kikuchi last night. They didn't necessarily – they'd never seen him before, except for I believe Castellanos was 0 for 3 against him in his career. Nobody else had seen him. We know the Phillies have struggled with guys like that. But in that case, it would be I'm looking fastball and that's it. If he beats me with the breaking ball, so so be it. But, yeah, I'm, I'm not seeing anything out of these guys in the last three games. It, it's almost like they got tired scoring runs. And, you know, you brought up the pitching. I, I believe that it's starting to look more and more like that, that it's the quality pitching is starting to beat the Phillies. And I, I guess I could look back further, but I just look at that homestand and when they face the quality pitcher, Pablo Lopez, I believe, is a quality pitcher. Uh, Sonny Gray, a quality pitcher. 
those two shut the Phillies down completely. Kikuchi looks like he's got really good stuff. Good fastball, both sides of the plate. Uh, He could throw inside to the right-handed hitters. They just didn't adjust to him at all. And, I mean, even to go even further, you look at, uh, I think it was Alec Bohm against Romano in the ninth inning last night. Got a couple, uh, a fastball up in the zone that he could have done some damage to. And then he got a slider up in the zone that he ended up hitting weakly to the outfield. I mean, not barreling the baseball is becoming a big problem for these guys. One guy I want to kind of throw out there is Bryce Harper. He's starting to do that little dance in the batter's box again. And I, I know people are like, well, what do you mean? He's got a violent swing as it is. If you watch his lower half, if, if his lower half is not balanced, you're going to see some bad uh, swings from Harper. Most of them were against a lefty last night, so it's, it's a little understandable. But that's something to keep an eye on. Keep an eye on his base, his bottom half, to see if he can get his balance back, back because his swings looked very weak and slow last night. And hopefully, you know, he kicks it back in gear tonight. Yeah, Harper, three for his last 25 with 13 strikeouts uh, over the last week. Uh, talking about the good pitching the Phillies are going to face, you know, yes, Pablo Lopez, Sonny Gray, Yusei Kikuchi, who's been on a real roll for the last like two and a half months. He's been a totally different guy uh, really since June. And then they're okay. going to face Kevin Gosman in the uh, series finale. Kevin Gosman's probably the best of the four, <laughs> four names you just mentioned. Kevin Gosman, who pitched six scoreless innings with nine strikeouts against the Phillies earlier this season at Citizens Bank Park. So we'll see what he has in store for them tonight. But, I mean, you're going to face good pitching in the playoffs. Like if you draw the Giants in the wild card round, for example, the Giants don't have a lot of starting pitching, but you're probably going to see Logan Webb and Alex Cobb in that series, two difficult right-handers in a similar tier to the guys they just faced. So, you know, th- that has to be a bit of a concern. I mean, after this run here, after Gosman on Wednesday, the Phillies are not going to face Josiah Gray or Mackenzie Gore, the top two Nationals pitchers in that series. Uh, then they have the Giants. They're going to miss Logan Webb in that series. Then they have the Cardinals, who don't have a strong starting pitching staff. So once they get past this Gosman game, the offense could turn things around. But when you just start to look ahead to October, the need to be able to, to match up with that you know, high quality pitching, you're not going to be facing Dallas Keuchel and Patrick Corbin. No. And let, let's face it, the playoffs last year, when you really think about it, and this is why I think actually the Phillies went to the six man rotation too. I look at it this way. You got into St. Louis, they had an injured closer who was still pitching and he looked injured in that, in that game where the Phillies scored a bunch of runs to kind of take the grasp of the series. I mean, you, you think about that within itself. So, okay. Number one, there's they're missing pitchers. You go you go number two. You had San Diego. They were they they had two starters, and then a third starter was missing for them. They I believe Clevenger was injured, and he came back to pitch, and he got blasted in a game at Citizens Bank Park. And then you go to the Braves. Strider can only pitch a couple innings in that series. The Phillies want to be healthy, but now you look at it this year. If all their guys are healthy on these other teams, would the Phillies? have made it to the World Series. I don't know. I mean, they ran into a buzzsaw in a very healthy team in the Astros in the World Series. They took care of them first first couple of games. They looked fine. And then that kind of went haywire on, on them also. I, I just think the excuse of it's a good pitcher, uh, it's a really good pitcher out there that we've hear, we hear from Rob Thompson a lot, is fine every once in a while. But every time somebody sticks it to him, that's the answer. You know, I mean, but – 
to me, it's more, well, you have a great lineup. Your guys have to step up a little bit and be better than that. And, I mean, is, isn't that the bottom line, that these guys have to be better? Certainly. I mean, Dave Dombrowski at the trade deadline, one of the reasons that they didn't go out and acquire another you know, position player is because he said the improvement had to come from within anyway, that if the Phillies were going to make a serious push in the second half and into the playoffs, that it was going to come from you know those high-priced guys at the top of the lineup, Schwarber and Harper and uh, Castellanos. JT Real Muto, by the way, man, it's just been a weird year for him. It just feels like so much of his year has been brutal slumps. You know, there have been like pockets of big time power, but he's now moved down to seventh in the batting order. Um, Phillies need more out of those veterans, no doubt about that. One guy that <clears throat> has also struggled at times this season is Sir Anthony Dominguez. He took the loss in Tuesday night's game, loaded the bases, got a big out on a ground ball to Alec Bohm, almost got out of the inning, but then he hit Kevin Biggio on the first pitch he threw. Dominguez's control has been erratic this season. 17 walks in 34 innings. He had two of them last night. He hit a batter. He's hit five batters. So 22 walks and hit by pitches in 34 innings. Just way too many free base runners that he's been allowing. The Phillies do have Jose Alvarado, who's right around the corner from returning, began a rehab assignment last night. But, I mean, I think we would both agree that this team needs the best version of Sir Anthony Dominguez to, to make a real wave and make a, another run. Yeah, especially with Gregory Soto kind of being on that roller coaster right now, too. I think Sir Anthony has to find his fastball location. And you're absolutely right. He's kind of all over the place. He had an issue earlier on the season with his slider that he couldn't throw his, throw his slider for strikes. Now it's more switched over to now it's his fastball. And he's got a lot of movement on that fastball. But, I mean, you have to be pinpoint in his in his position, a setup guy. You have to go in and be pinpoint with your fastball. So I think his concentration level should turn straight to the fastball right now and just throw the slider off of that. You can't really worry about location of a, of a slider if you're not really throwing a fastball very well. And right now, and, and the problem is we're not talking about, you know, an inch off the plate. We're talking six, eight inches off the plate. He's pulling the baseball a lot, and that has to do with your legs and your mechanics. I think he's got to go back to the drawing board on his lower half and make sure he's driving through the baseball. I, I think right now he's kind of tiptoeing through everything. I think he's – uh, a little bit conscious of throwing a ball down the middle of the plate, which as a, as a late reliever, that's the last thing you should be thinking about. Uh, number one, if you're going to leave one over the plate, your stuff should be good enough to get by at times. Not every pitch you throw right down the middle is going to be hit out of the ballpark, but I think because he's had some bumps in the road this season, I think that plays a role in this. I think it plays a role in his mindset. Um, but First and foremost, you, you have to get your mechanics right. He does not look uh, like a guy who, who normally is very smooth. And incredibly, I think it was about a week ago, he was pitching at home. He put runners at second and third with nobody out and then struck out the side. That adrenaline rush, that, that fever pitch that he got, that's what he needs to get to every time he steps on the mound. You can't, as a, as a reliever, you can't go on the mound and, and kind of go out there and half-ass it. You, you have to be able to bring everything with you. That includes your mind. That includes your mechanics. And obviously that, that includes a set on the glove. And if he's not doing that right now, which you could tell he's not, he, he, he doesn't really want to throw the ball over the middle of the plate. And he's really trying to be too fine on the corners. What he has to do is split the plate in three and basically tell yourself, stay out of the middle. Stay out of the middle third, go on the outer thirds. That's all he has to do. 
Does it worry you at all just thinking about all of the close games the Phillies have been a part of so far, all of the high leverage situation that guys like Kimbrell and Soto and Dominguez have uh, you know, accrued here throughout the year, the season, just leading into the playoffs and the, the, whether they're going to be the freshest versions of themselves? Obviously, nobody is in October. Um, you know, I know like back in the day, guys would make like 80 plus appearances. It wasn't it wasn't crazy. Now, if you make like 70 plus, it's, I guess, a, a big sign. Soto is on pace for a career high in appearances. Kimbrell's on pace for his most since his rookie season. Um, I guess the flip side is that there's a lot of ex- a lot of recent experience of those guys working out of jams. Uh, but you just wonder, like, how long can they maintain that? They've been so good in one-run games, Kimbrel especially. Uh, can it hold up for seven months? Yeah, that that may be the million-dollar question because the one thing I'm – even Kimbrel's been a little flat lately. Uh, his curveball hasn't been as sharp lately. That tells me there's a little bit of wear and tear starting to happen. But they do have days off here uh, from here on out. So to me, that that should be enough to get you back in focus. And you brought up like back in the day, I would pitch three, four days in a row and I'd have, you know, mid 70s appearances or low 70 appearances. But it was it was different in the sense that now if you get 70 appearances, that's like an every other day thing. So your arm should be fine. You're getting that day's rest in between and you're ready to go that following day. You don't see a lot of guys going two or three days in a row. So. Um, my own, my concerns, I would say Craig Kimber right now, because he's had this issue in the past where late in the season, he's faltered a little bit in comparison to his first halves. Gregory Soto right now looks like he's going through that right now. So in, in my eyes, I think Soto will get through it before that playoff push comes. What happens is you get fatigued. It's not necessarily a dead arm. You're just tired. Um, nothing feels exactly like it should your legs aren't with you sometimes and you usually go through about a week period where everything feels wrong and then kind of snap out of it so I would think Soto will get through on that but I look at Kimberly he's not a spring chicken that's the thing that scares me I, I don't think Sir Anthony has that problem Alvarado's not going to have that problem when he comes back Strom may because he he's already way over his innings limit um, but you know sometimes you just got to push through with what you have I don't see the Phillies making a lot of moves here in the next couple of weeks uh, with relievers. No. Uh, and, you know, talking about Matt Strom, Matt Strom's been really good since the All-Star break. I know he's allowed a couple inherited runners to score, but he has like a 2-3-5 ERA, a whip under one, more strikeouts than innings pitched, and they've needed that. You know, Soto shifted into the top lefty role. Strom shifted into the second lefty role. He wasn't really able to do that the first time Alvarado missed a month with elbow inflammation because that was when Strom was just converting from starter to reliever. But the Phillies really need Alvarado back. I mean, the Desperate. first that first month of the season, like when the, before he went on the IL the first time on May 7th, uh, he had 24 strikeouts and no walks and 14 appearances. Then he came back, he walked nine batters in 11 and two-thirds innings. He was still effective, just not as effective when he was looking like the most dominant reliever in all of baseball. But once that piece comes back, that should kind of help everything else. And it should also create some additional rest for a Kimbrel or a Soto. It's it's definitely going to lighten the load. But, I mean, concern-wise, he's been out twice now with some kind of an elbow-type injury. I say elbow-type injury because they're not necessarily pointing out the elbow. They point out, point out around the elbow, the forearm. It all connects. Um, so, for me, how much are you going to use Alvarado? Number one, especially in the first month that he's back. And number two, 
he's prone to go on the DL this year or the IL this year. So that's always going to be in the back of everybody's mind. So they're going to try not to overuse him. But I mean, he's almost the necessity to have in that bullpen. Without him, I, I don't think they make a run to the World Series. Well, there have only been two instances all season when Alvarado pitched on back-to-back days. So I would highly uh, anticipate that Rob Thompson is going to be equally cautious with him when he does come back. I mean, you might not see him pitch back-to-back days the rest of the regular season, and that's fine if it keeps him, you know, fresh for October. Um, it, you know, looking back at this decision to go to the six-man rotation, the acquisition of Michael Lorenzen, obviously it's paid off so far. Lorenzen's been incredible. I don't think you could ask for anything more than what Michael Lorenzen has done so far. Uh, but you also start to see like the value of it, of getting guys a couple extra days. Like Zach Wheeler was pitching on a week of rest. Aaron Noll was pitching on an extra day of rest when he starts Wednesday. Taiwan Walker, the Phillies were able to push him back. And with Walker, not only does it come at a good time, but it comes when he's 25 innings below his career high. We've been talking about it a lot with young guys, but Walker is a veteran who's never, I don't think he's reached 160 innings in his career. So they want to get him a little bit of a reset and a breather here as well, because he hasn't looked like the same guy his last couple times out. I feel like he's in the same boat Wheeler was last year. I think he is just tired out. I mean, when, when you look at him and he always has these comments that my body wouldn't let me do something that tells me your body's getting tired. It's not your mind. You can go mind over the body. That tells me your body's getting a little bit tired. You're not able to do things that you were doing in midseason. And now all of a sudden, you know, you're creeping up on a career high innings. Um, I mean, to me, I think this six-man rotation is working for that purpose. I don't think certain guys like it. I don't uh, – Nola doesn't like it. I know Wheeler certainly doesn't like it. He's one of those guys who has said he doesn't like it. But – um you know, as a starting pitcher, you're kind of a creature of habit. What's going to happen when they go back to the five man is what's going to be interesting because I have a feeling that's coming fairly soon. Obviously, this week they have uh, they had yet uh, Monday off, and now they have Thursday off, and then the following week they have a Thursday off. So that's going to give the pitchers an extra days rest, regardless of what's going on. It'll be interesting because I think it all kind of clues in to right after Taiwan Walker pitches if he pitches and he feels well, I think they go back to a five-man. You know, the one thing about these last few days for the Phillies is that while it's been a down offensive period and people are wondering about the offense and is this lineup going to be able to be consistent enough, the teams behind them in the wild card race have not taken advantage. You know, the Giants did beat the Rays at home last night, but they've lost seven of the last ten. The Marlins lost, the Reds lost, the Cubs lost last night. So the Phillies – enter the final game in this Blue Jays series. They're a game up on the Giants for the top wild card spot. And they're like two and a half, three and a half ahead of those teams in like the three, four, five. So they're starting to create a little bit of distance and they have a much better roster than those other teams to begin with. They also have a much softer schedule than those other teams. Uh, you know, it's, it's looking like the Phillies will end up in the four or the five seed. Looks like they'll end up probably facing the Giants in the first round of the playoffs, barring, you know, a, a real collapse by the Giants. But I mean, when you look at this wild card race, it doesn't look like there's as much pressure on the Phillies on like a day by day basis as there was leading into last year when they had to fight to get back into that race. Now they're kind of like in a position where they just have to, you know, play 500 baseball, play five games over 500 baseball, and they're, they're going to be in that spot. That's what it seems like. It seems like one one wild card team loses, a lot of them lose. Uh, the Cubs made that huge rush to get to this point, and they've kind of leveled off here in the last uh, what about a week or so. And 
when, when you really think about it, I mean, I'm extremely confident they're making the playoffs. I, I don't, I don't, I think a major collapse would be the only way that the Phillies don't make the playoffs right now. And I truly believe that they're going to be the number one seed and uh, the number one wild card seed. And in in my opinion, it, it's it's all about these guys will play to potential at at certain points during the season. Uh, like you said, the schedule kind of lightens up again for them here coming up very soon. And when that happens, this is when this team seems to seems to tee off on people. They still have a ton of home games left. That's a bonus on top of it. So you don't have all that travel. They do have what well, one more trip out to the West Coast, though. Milwaukee to San Diego, I believe. And, you know, when you think about that, that trip, that could be a big trip for them. Uh, you go out there and you have a good road trip. All of a sudden you come back, you're in the driver's seat. And I, I just want them to be in a a position at the end of September that they could set up their starting rotation instead of having to play it to the bitter end uh, to make sure you make the playoffs. I think the Phillies will make that push that they will be in with about a week, week and a half left to play. And what would really be a great scenario for them is if not only they're able to set up their rotation, but if the team that they end up facing, say they get the four seed, if that five seed does have to go all out on the final days of the season, you know, we were just talking about the Giants as a potential wild card matchup. Like imagine if the Giants have to come all the way across the country with one day off and they don't have Logan Webb, for example, in one of those two games because he started the final day of the regular season. Like that's where you really start to generate the advantage. Um, Take and- the, ask, ask yourself this question. This is an odd question. If the Phillies are the number one seed, do you want to be the number two seed? You're saying like if if in the wild card, right? That you'd have to come and play Philadelphia. Oh, as opposed to facing that third division winner. Yeah, yeah. I think you'd probably rather face the Brewers, right? Absolutely. No, there's no yeah. question about it. Like you know, you'd be facing two difficult pitchers and Burns and Peralta, but the Phillies have difficult arms and a much better offense. So yeah, yeah. I think that yeah, it's a good point. I think that the NL. In the NL, you're probably better off with the six than the five if the Phillies are the four. But again, I mean, there's so much to play out between now and then. I'm, so. I'm just saying it was an interesting thing that I was thinking about the other mm-hmm. day. And I'm like, if the Phillies get that that first wild card, would you really want to be the second wild card team? Well, I mean, come playoff time, nobody's going to want to face this team. You know, they, based on the talent they have, the experience they had last year, it's, it could be another dangerous run. Um, and that's why, you know, the Phillies just have to – you know, offensively try to try to win some games with the bats. Like they did that a few times here earlier in the month of August, but they've spent so much of this season relying on their starting pitching and just bullpen execution to win these close games. Um, they have, you know, mixed in a couple laughers here lately, but the offense that we thought that could carry this team for like a week, 10 days at a time, just really hasn't materialized for that long. You just don't know if they're going to be ocean bottom or sky high on any given day. And it's, it, I think that's been the roughest thing to watch about this team is that their consistency level is just, there is none. I mean, you never know what you're going to get. You never know if you're going to get a team that's going to go out there and bop the baseball around the ballpark, or you're getting that team that's over 12 with runners in scoring position. It's just a weird scenario. And the reason why I say it's a, like a strange scenario, you're talking about a lot of veterans here a lot of veterans in this lineup that have a history. And usually you're in the big leagues because you've been consistent. And when, when I look at this lineup right now, obviously a lot of guys are hitting well under their historic numbers. But you would think at some point that level's off and then all of a sudden they all take off at the same time and they stay there for a long period of time. They just have not been able to, uh, I guess, run that 
offensively for a long period of time. Yeah, they also don't have any one offensive player who's having a phenomenal superstar level season. Like my brother made a comment to me the other day that the Phillies are going to have the most players in the history of baseball with a 760 OPS. Like everybody's in that same range. You know, Stott and Bohm have exceeded expectations. They've been really good from like a, you know, contact and batting average, multi-hit game standpoint, runners in scoring position. But there has not been like a MVP level Bryce Harper player in 2023. And that plays into it too. Well, I looked at I, I was looking at something online and MLB put out uh, right now they're um, team one, team two, like the 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 whatever you want to call it, the best players. Team one, no Phillies. Team two, no Phillies. I mean that that to me says a lot considering the guys that you have on this team that not one of them would be in the top eighteen players uh, in the major leagues by position. Well, we'll see if the offense can turn it around against Kevin Gosman. It sure would be a confidence builder if they can do some damage against one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. And then the Phils are off Thursday. They have a three-game series with the last-place Nationals this weekend. The first two of those games are in Washington. And then Sunday, they're in Williamsport for that Little League Classic where Media PA will also be. So a lot of local ties, a lot of good vibes uh, going into that weekend of baseball in Williamsport. So thanks a lot for listening to the Phillies Talk Podcast. We'll catch you later in the week. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.